0: Hello, we've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 2, Episode 7, Zuko Alone. Today on my panel I have Lindsay. Hi, hi, hi. Corey. Hello. And we will be welcoming back a very special guest, Julia. Hey. Yay! So we have made it to Zuko Alone. So I, I said at the end of last week's podcast that uh, Blind Bandit was, the, for me, the second best um, individual, so non-finale, non-two-part episode of the series for me, and that we would be getting to the best one soon. For me, right at the start, um, I uh, remembered this episode as the, the best standalone episode of... Um, of avatar so we will talk about that a lot but i just want to say obviously this is a very uh highly anticipated episode an episode that a lot of people have very fond feelings for so we will be talking a lot about it so let's get right into initial thoughts Corey, why don't you give us your initial thoughts for Zuko? love
1: oh yeah i absolutely love this episode this is actually one of those episodes too that like i remember the strongest when i was like growing up like when i like think back to avatar like this is the episode in Book two, when I when I think of Book Two, at least this is the episode I think of. Uh, it's just it's like one of those just perfect set pieces. This is the one that like if you have any doubts about Zuko, this is the episode that like really gets you behind him, the past, Iroh, and everything. This is really one of my favorite episodes, just television of all time.
0: Okay, Lens. Oh
2: my gosh. Guys, this, this episode just gives you so many feels, and I didn't, I I forgot how powerful of an episode it really was, and as I'm watching it, like, I was just going through, like, a, a whole roller coaster of emotions. It's just such an amazing episode, and um, especially as someone that, like, I, I love Zuko's character, so to have this type of episode where it really focuses on hunkering down and showing us more about Zuko and why he is the way that he is, and More into his backstory was just uh, it's just such a strongly written episode, and it definitely plays well into his characterization and explaining why, like some of the reasons why he is that he is, and also giving like the whole backstory on essentially how Ozai ended up becoming Fire Lord. Because of course you always are like, well, if Ira was the oldest son, how did that happen? And then like showing this type of background um, just for the. How the Fire Nation's, like, kind of structured also is, like, so good.
3: So I love it. So good. Great. Julia? Uh, Well, I have to agree with Lindsay. In terms of being a big Zuko fan, uh, she kind of said it perfectly, what I love about this in terms of Zuko. But uh, on a different side of it, I just love how it portrays war and what happens to the villages that get left behind who aren't really being supervised now that everyone's left and the corruption that can take place and i mean i know this is a very serious show but it's just yet another time where you're like wow they're they're going there in a kids show and it's really what makes uh, the last ender the last airbender uh, such an amazing show that they're willing to take risks and Delve into dark topics like this uh, and still really come out with an entertaining episode that kids can watch and enjoy, but that's really deep and meaningful and sticks with you for years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree with everything that everyone said. This is a fantastic episode. Um, I think that you could make an argument this is one of the most important episodes of the entire series. Obviously, this is not a, like, Avatar is not a very filler uh filled show so it is not it's not like most episodes have you know are unimportant but if you really look at this show if you took Zuko alone out you could make an argument this show doesn't function properly I mean you get all the backstory about how Ozai took power um and then everything about Zuko's character and the introduction of all that it you the show really just would not function without this episode and that that's just an incredible thing to um Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to think about um the other thing that i'm i really like to say is obviously this is a deep dive into zuko's character it's titled zuko alone and and that's what it is but i love how dense this episode is because we're also getting really great backstory uh, about the fire nation julia brought up the um you know seeing the towns that are left behind in the war and also azula's character um yes we've talked at length about azula's character in her introductions uh, in episodes one and two, or one and three, and how like you you immediately see this character and 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 how fully formed it is, and now we get to see kind of the 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 origins of Azula and like where she came from, how she was raised, and I love a lot of the really subtle storytelling that they give uh, regarding their childhood and, and and how you can see Zu- uh, Zuko and Azula growing up um, together. So right off the bat, this episode starts off um, with one of the best visual um, shots uh, just in, in general, it's really great how it's, it's, they play it without dialogue and, you know, Zuko isn't talking and yet you can see Zuko's everything about his situation right now where he's in the hot sun, he's tired, his posture is a certain way. Mm -hmm. The ostrich horse looks, looks the way it is. He's walking through this, this, this wasteland. um, And it just, it looks great and conveys so much storytelling through pure visuals. And also just as a, as a quick note for anyone who didn't, uh, who doesn't know, um, the, the the battlefield that Zuko is walking through is the same battlefield that Wan, uh, the first Avatar, dies in. Just it's a, a fun little like tie-in uh, that they brought back in Korra that I just want to mention here. Hey. Um, but overall, just I, I love the visual storytelling of this, um, and I, I just it, it, it's I I, I, I say this a lot, but like a lesser show would would feel the need to to. Config, do all this with dialogue or purely have people talk. But no, this is just, they can just play it purely through um, through visuals. Mm-hmm.
3: It's very um, Mad Max-esque, the opening. That's what really struck me when I was rewatching it. Just the wasteland, desert, and very little dialogue and just relying on visuals, everything you said, which is kind of an interesting uh, way for them to open, but in a good way.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. because I feel like it opens up on such like a desolate type of environment, and him literally all by himself, and it it really just shows not only like where he was at physically, but also probably emotionally and like mentally, because he literally is all alone and he doesn't really have anything to like hold on to right now. So to see him in this type of struggle that he's facing all like right now is definitely a good way of like just kind of
0: going into the episode I feel like. Mhm. Yeah. Now once he gets into town, we we get to see a really different side of the Earth Kingdom, because yes, we, we, we've had theoretically an Earth Kingdom villain before with, you know, the general back at uh, the start of in, in Avatar State. But you know, that general was still seemed like his heart was in the right place. He was just mm-hmm. a little crazy and you know, I, I my problem. Taking the, the,
2: the wrong approach.
0: <laughs> but but this is the first time we're really seeing Earth Kingdom soldiers as the villain and as like truly bad people. Um and I like that. I mean, one, this is an episode a lot about perspective and how actions should define who you are, not um, you know birthright and not you know uh, the, the the individuals of who you are. And I, I think it's a good choice to have that that usual juxtaposition where we're used to, oh, well, the Earth Kingdom they're the they're the good guys of this story. I mean, they're not technically Ang, but like they're the side that but we're they're not we're the ahead. Fire Nation. And, and in this case, we just get to see some like really not good um good people and it also does a good job of you know kind of showing off that you know the earth kingdom as a whole is we often talk about how the earth kingdom is a little bit you know is a little bit weirder because it's not as centralized the the, the army is not um you know as homogenous as as it is in in the fire nation and this kind of i think helps to show why the earth kingdom has trouble in this war because you can see that these these people aren't like reporting directly to a commander who is you know in the same in the same way, like even though the fire nation is we, we think of it as almost objectively evil and pretty bad like it it does feel like these type of soldiers this is the kind of thing that would breed in a more undisciplined and on un, uh,
1: less trained army mm-hmm. i actually had a not an issue per se but i i, I think it was kind of out of character and uh, sure, I don't think if it if it went a different way it would have serviced the story at all, but when they when the kid threw the egg and then the soldiers thought that Zuko did it and then they were like, they were trying to pick a fight and then they just stole the food that he bought for the for the for the ostrich, I think Zuko in most circumstances actually would have fought and contested it. And I, I think he was a little too passive. I know like they they're trying to like because in the beginning, like, he had a chance to rob the girl, but then he realized she was pregnant, and, you know, and all that, and he didn't. But, like, he was, I think in his mind, he was ready to do it. And in this circumstance, I think he was justified to actually defend himself.
3: I think it's... I, oh, I'm sorry, gonna, you can talk. No, yeah, okay. no, uh, I think it's more, really, just shows more the mental state he's in. He's just so exhausted after being in the desert alone for days, not having eaten, So I think he's really just not in the mood for a fight, whereas I agree normally he wouldn't put up with that shit.
0: Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Do you feel like that makes sense, or or, or would you you disagree, Parn?
1: I guess in terms of exhaustion it makes sense, but I think the reason we're seeing it like this is because they just they want to zoom in him as a likable character this episode like completely, and they don't want to. I don't. I don't think they want Gray area. And I'm not saying that as a, in a bad way. I'm just saying, like in most circumstances, I think he had he had that like the drive to fight back. But I think more so than him just being exhausted, they just want 100% of him be likable this episode from start to finish.
0: I mean, I, yes, I think that that's that's part of it. But to me, I, I, I look at this situation, and you have someone who is clearly like physically like pretty run down, is, is tired, is thirsty, is hungry, and you almost have to like, what does, does Zuko have that much to gain by fighting here? Plus, he doesn't really know like how strong these guys are. He would be pretty outnumbered. Like I. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it's particularly out of character, given the, the circumstance that he's actually in.
3: Especially considering he can't use his firebending. So if they are earthbenders, how is he going to defend himself?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. So. Which we, we obviously see coming in, coming in later in the episode.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. But he's trying to avoid it.
0: Mm-hmm. The kid uh, picks up, you know, picks up Zuko, and and they go back to um, to go back to the farm. And I really like the way the father acts. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: One, I think that you can really see just in everything, every way the characters is being shown. You're seeing the fact that this is a family that's you know worried about the fact that they have a son um, out on the front lines,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: like you can really feel that. But also. I think that this, that the way the father acts and when he has, I love the line, a man's past is his business and how you can tell that this is a world where people are making tough choices. Um, you know, the war is forcing difficult, uh, situations upon people. And this is a town that seems like it's relatively run down. It's not the, the, the most, um, you know, things are not going particularly well it, it, it kind of makes sense that people, that there'd be people here saying like, look, we get it. People have passed. What matters now is, are you willing to, you know, stand up to, for what's right and, and help us in this situation. And I, I think that's really captures what is going on. And later on, when, um, when we see Zuko speaking again about um, the, the victory in the war during the, the, the final meeting that Zuko's at with Ozai and Azula when Ozai uh, eventually has a plan to burn the entire Earth Kingdom down. You know, uh, the question is posed like, "Oh, Zuko, you've been among the Earth Kingdom commoners. Like, how will we? How can we get them to com- to commit?" And he says, "Oh, the Earth Kingdom. They're they're a strong people. They have hope. They're they're going to keep fighting." And you, you can kind of see a little bit of that here, where like this is the type of people Zuko is thinking about. Of you're not going to break them just by conquering them. And obviously Ozai takes it to mean, oh, well, let's destroy their hope and burn the, you know, everything to the ground.
3: You know, a rational interpretation.
0: Well, of course. I mean, oh, Ozai is nothing. is not rational. <laughs> yeah. Anyone on anything I just said? I think that go. You're good. <laughs> So um, we start the flashbacks, and I, I like the flashbacks. I think, in general, the show does a good job of just uh, visually having a good visual style for their flashbacks, changing the mm-hmm. um, coloration a little bit.
2: Like, it's, um, it's so subtle, but it's also like clear of what it's doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't
1: really take away at all from the storytelling that's being done, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I actually, the flashbacks were actually my favorite part of the episode in, like, every way, shape, and form, especially seeing, A, his relationship with his mother, B, Azula as a child, everything, like, you, everything makes sense after these, I think they're the flashbacks to make the episode, and without the flashbacks, the episode would be a lot worse off. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um,
3: you, uh, you couldn't have this episode, it just wouldn't work without the flashbacks, and okay. they're, they do a good job of showing them as relevant to what Zuko is currently, the situations he's in, whereas it's not forced, like, we want you to know this piece of information so we are showing it. It really is because this event in his life has triggered it, he is now flashing back to this. So it feels very natural and a smooth progression of his thoughts Mm -hmm. rather than just kind of a jarring uh, way of putting some exposition in
0: hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing is right off the bat, I like that we get to see a softer side of the Fire Nation. Uh, I mean, this is kind of the first time, you know, we were there, obviously, during the um, when we saw Zuko's Agni Kai. But for the most part, we've, we've seen the Fire Nation as like the Agni Kai, the war meeting. And then we see and feel like the way the Fire Nation is. And this, it's nice that we kind of just get to see that, you know, life is like really good in the palace like the first you know, the first thing we see is them you know feeding some turtle ducks and you know, it looks nice they're having fun um we see azul playing together and it, it's for me it, it, that's also another important part of this of of showing that one the fire nation like there is a softer side to it but also that the war is not like we think of the war as like this really destructive and, and terrible thing obviously it is but it's it's good to see that in the fire nation that's not true. Like yeah. the war seems it's good. And like the, the first, um, the first moment when we see Iroh, where, where Iroh is just kind of, you know, laughing and, you know, about, Oh, you know, we're going to burn the city into the ground and sending gifts back. And it, it, it's very abstract. It, it's not, you know, it, it doesn't feel that kind of um, that reality that we're, we're constantly being shocked with. And for me, that, that's really important because it shows why someone like, Zuko or even someone like Iroh, who are, I think at their core, good people. Um, you know, Zuko he has to he has a lot more work to get there, but are kind of on board with this war and this conquest because for them, it's not this terrible, suffering filled thing. It's like, well, we're conquering people. It's yeah. fun.
3: Yeah. Doing our thing. I completely I got agree. You a doll. <laughs> and also it's just a nice juxtaposition. The whole, uh, the life at the palace and how nice it is to the current situation Zuko is in, uh, going back and forth between that nice pampered life where he's wearing those nice robes and is, uh, being, having his every need attended, whereas he is, as the, as the title suggests, alone in this desert on an ostrich horse with no name.
2: Starving on an ostrich.
1: And again, I love, I absolutely love, too, like, his relationship with his mother. Because, mm-hmm. like, everything else makes sense about him, like, just by seeing that.
3: And it's so sad. And it's yeah. funny. I'm so, I'm so emo.
1: And also, also seeing how the mom treats Azula fairly in comparison. Like, mm-hmm. where, like, if she needs to be punished, she would be the one. And definitely not, the Fire Lord would not be doing that. And that's probably why Azula likes the Fire Lord a lot more.
0: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, we'll talk about that because I have a lot to say on that
0: Azula part, but I want to I want to wait till we get to a certain um, moment,
1: um,
0: and then um, so once the flashbacks ends, we we get the um, we get the scene with uh, Zuko teaching um, Lee the dual swords, and I also think like obviously one, it's you know we're seeing Zuko connect with you know an Earth Kingdom uh, peasant, which is. You know, and just a nice thing for a character. You know, someone who is, you know, is the, the heir to the Fire Nation is, in theory, wants to to eventually rule over all of this as as their them with them as his subjects. Um, but also, it's nice to see a little bit of like the seeds of of Zuko as a teacher, because um, in the end, Zuko is going to become an Firebending teacher. And unfortunately, we really don't get much of it uh, because it doesn't really happen until you know pretty much the end of the show. So you don't see that much of Zuko legitimately training Aang and so it's nice that here we get a little bit of like oh so this is how Zuko would teach someone who you know uh, a skill uh not firebending but you know fighting in, in general
2: Mark just real quick because uh, you had mentioned um about Zuko wanting to like lead over the people like that these are his subjects do you really think oh, at this point he wants to be fireboard yes. yeah yes. you still think so
0: a hundred percent. Okay. Um, I, I don't think he even questions it until, um, it, once they're in, um, like loud guy. Yeah. hmm Because, I mean, like next episode, he is going to try and capture Ang, but then yeah. realizes in the moment, okay, I'm going to turn on Azula. Um, yeah. Just to, to, because, you know, fighting Azula is easier, but like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think, um, I think at this moment he, cause he still introduces himself as, as, you know, Prince of the fire nation heir to the throne.
2: Yeah. He uses himself
0: like I'm Zuko. I used to be the Prince, but now I'm not like, um, we'll talk about that um, in a little bit. I was wondering. So, so a question I have, I have across the board. So when the, the earth kingdom soldiers come to, to tell, um, the family that, uh, their son has been captured, like, Yo, are these some guru? of the worst what? people in, in <laughs> Avatar? Yeah.
1: Now, again, that's that's something I want to mention. This is where I pretty easily say that this was in service of the story. Like, and like, I, I understand the Earth Kingdom is big enough where these people exist, and they're more probably more common than you'd think. But these are comedically evil, even by Fire Nation standards. Like, and I, I think it's just amazing. Again, this is all to service Zuko. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It, it, that's if I have one complaint, and I I don't even want to call
0: it a complaint because it really isn't. But like, they are a little like this is like going up to a family and being like, your son's probably about to die fighting for our country. Like that's
2: yeah, that's and really like,
1: bad.
2: and, and they go I, into yeah. they go into detail too, saying like, yeah, you know what they do with captured like soldiers? They put them on the front lines in the in the enemy like, thing, and then they just get attacked by, like, their own countrymen. Like, I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, <laughs> that is dark right there. And, like, just to be, like, casually, and mention that casually like that, like, too, it was just so bad. And don't get me wrong,
1: these people exist, and I accept that they exist, but it's just, like, this was, like, a next level of, like, just, like, wow. I'm, I'm not, like,
0: being, like, I'm not being hyperbolic here like i think these may be some of the worst people in the show
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um in terms of just like raw you are a terrible human being
1: yeah you guys do you guys think the dad because when the kid was prying in Zuko, trying to get questions and the dad was kind of like hushing him off do you think the dad had any inclination that he might be like someone from the fire nation or you just think no he's just a good guy and he's like "Eh, don't bother him he he obviously has history I think he has an inclination that, that Zuko has a history
0: and like has some like has a I'm gonna say scars, um, you know, obviously I know what you know yes he has a scar in his face, but like scars hey. as a as a person. But I don't I don't think he has any clue because we see at the end like no one is even like remotely willing to even talk to him mm-hmm. once they find out that he's Fire Nation. Like I, I just don't see it that he would have an inclination. Like if he did, I just don't see how like this playing out the way it did.
3: Yeah, that's
0: true. The next flashback is where um, uh, you know, they, they get the news about Lutens' death and I like that immediately you can see a, a a change in in the mood and the way the um kind of the way the world is because as I said before, like it's it's very abstract of, you know, oh, there's a war going on and and, and people are fighting, but suddenly you know, you're when a member of the of the royal family is dead. Like it's a completely different world, and obviously, and then it, yeah, know, it actually becomes
2: something that the the royal family then has to deal with. It's not them just saying like, "Oh yeah," so we conquered ba Sing Se today, or like, "Oh, we set this village ablaze." Like, you no, know, now it's like someone that they know personally in the royal family,
3: and is, the the heir, the future heir yeah. to the throne, the,
2: the heir to the throne, basically, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: so it just Um, becomes something concrete
0: mm -hmm. Um, and you you can see that and then the other thing is like you can kind of think about like from a world history perspective how much this the fact that Luten dies in this battle like how much that alters the course of world history Mm -hmm. Um, now I I do think that Ozai probably makes a play for the throne regardless um,
3: but it wouldn't be successful
0: it, it it's hard to say. I mean, it, you, you can kind of see how like maybe not. And if he, or if he wasn't, even if he did, would Iro be in a more, a stronger position mentally to potentially fight Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. for it. So like, you can really look at that and say like, you know, the, the course of, of the history of this world, like the fact that one person happened to, to die in a battle, which is somewhat, you know, you can think when you think of a battle, like it's somewhat random. It's not, you know, we don't know the exact circumstances of it, but you can kinda like you don't think of it as, you know, a specific thing. Like this really altered the course of events. Yeah. Um uh, and
1: and and changed those, you know, changed so much. I think I think uh the Fire Lord Ozai is like Scar from a line <laughs> where I totally see it. Where as you guys said, he he was going for it and he would have done some very sketchy shit if it didn't just like
3: fall into his lap so yeah he he might have killed um the son. he might have killed Lutan anyway, just it wouldn't have happened no
0: question yeah. I oh, mean yeah, I, I agree that he would have made a play for the throne. I'm just saying like it you don't this made it probably made it very easy,
3: yeah mm-hmm. and I wonder if the show could have gone in the direction of it wasn't it was a more purposeful. Death in battle, like something like yeah, I mean, we Joffrey no telling the Hound to uh, kill uh, Tyrion, like something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Like ma-
3: fell in battle, like more air quotes. Yes. So. not the Hound. No.
2: <laughs> if remember
1: mm-hmm. the card. Okay, whatever.
0: Oh well, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Podcast <laughs> yes. enough well, one day.
2: <laughs> I don't speak Game of Thrones. You don't watch Game of Thrones? No. No. We're wow. not, no. We're gonna s- stay time.
0: off that topic right now. Um, the Zuko um gives the the knife to um, Lee, and I I really like this moment for, on some level, from like the the title of this episode being Zuko Alone, where. You know the knife is kind of a major connectro- connection that Zuko would have to Iro. Um, you know it's a, it's a present that he was given. Uh, it's a memory of a of a simpler time, and the mm-hmm. fact that he's giving it away on one level in hopes that it will do the same thing for this kid, but also is a, is just a little bit of of Zuko giving up some of the some of that past, um, mm-hmm. and then having it kind of be thrown back in his face later. Um, but at least in this moment, like, you can almost think of, like, Zuko kind of beginning to take some of the weight off of his shoulders and sort of saying, like, okay, I no longer need this reminder. Now this can be something else for you. Mm-hmm.
3: My my question is, would would Zuko have stayed if the plot hadn't really demanded that he moved on and that whole incident occurred with him being kidnapped? Like... What would he have ended up staying in the Earth Kingdom longer? Like, how would that have affected the outcome of the series in terms of Zuko's character development?
0: If the boy hadn't been kidnapped? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. I mean, I think that it does change a little bit of his character development, but at the same time, I, I think Zuko is kind of on a certain course. Yeah, um, we know that Iroh is following him. Um, eventually. Pyro would run into him again. Um, And eventually he probably would have another run in with Aang. Like he's still looking for Mm -hmm. for Aang. So I don't know. I mean, I I do think that the shock at the end of, of sort of real, almost realizing like I am the the Fire Lord's son, therefore I can't really live amongst these people. Uh, They're never going to accept me for who I am. Like, I do think that kind of pushes him a little bit back towards the, um, the old Zuko. But at the same time, I think that I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary.
3: But I think this is really the first time he sees on a more concrete level just what the Fire Nation means to these people, just the the fear and just hatred they feel for him. Because I think he he understood on a theoretical level that the Fire Nation was hated. But to feel that hatred from people that he had grown to respect and who he felt, you know, some sort of affection for, not affection, but, you know, had started to care about, to have that directed, um, that vicious hatred directed right at him and to know why, I feel like that was definitely a wake-up call.
0: Oh, are you saying in the other direction, like, this is, in the end, something that helped show him the evils of the fire yeah yeah that's more what I'm okay yeah yeah I think that's um I think that's fair um yeah I would I would agree with that now I I really want to to key in on a line um we get back into the flashbacks and um they find out you know Iroh is coming home And Zuko's response is, "Does that mean we won the war?" And I Mm -hmm. I really like this line because, besides the fact that it it does feel very childish coming from a child, Zuko, it's once again more of seeing this war as extremely abstract and and really cut off. Because, like, you don't like that's the way someone would ask, like, did the you know did a sports team win a game or you know it's so there's no like so like, no weight to that question when mm-hmm. in reality did the fire nation win the war is like the central question of the history of this time yeah. and for it to be so almost so casual shows once again that this is not um, this is not a real thing for zuko and now zuko is seeing the war 100% up close and personal um and even like if you look at book 1 with zuko like for the most part zuko's kind of removed from the actual war part of it he's on his mm-hmm. ship he's chasing Yang. occasionally he has run-ins with you know with Zhao. but for the most part he's not like on the front lines and he's not seeing people who have been extremely affected by it and now like it's com- a complete 180 where the war has become com- totally real to him and and that's just like that's a great that's great writing right there that line is, is incredible yeah i agree uh, um now we get on and the really like some of the real keys of Azula's character and, and how much Azula's character development we get here. Mm-hmm. Um, one Azula sort of being like why didn't I stay and like keep fighting like yeah. so he lost his son whatever like you can see how for Azula it's not a, there isn't that care for life it's mm-hmm. more of success is what matters success is what what drives things wanting to be the best and all that. Um, and the other thing is we get to see Azula and Corey mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, Azula in the eyes of her mom, where you can mm-hmm. see it, her mom knows that she's a bit of a monster. And, and you know, that, that yeah. line will come back later in the beach. Um, while her dad, when, when, when Azula is giving her demonstration in the um, for Azulan, the Ozai is completely looking the other way because she's a firebending prodigy. And because she's incredibly smart and tactical and all these things. So for Ozai, she he'll let her get away with anything because she is showing power in his bloodline. And you can understand how Azula has become more and more or forgotten, closer and closer to the character that she is today. with the fact that for her father, all that mattered to him was the fa- was that she was the best and that she was pushing her, her abilities and, and her merits as far as possible while, and once her mom is gone, there was nothing to keep the, the kind of evil tendencies in check. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really like that. And you just have some, like, really great lines, like, coming from a kid, like, when she's like, why are you calling him the Fire Lord? Just, you know, call him Grandfather. He isn't the powerful Fire Lord he used to be. I'm, like, this is a world where that kind of, like, talk could probably get you in serious trouble. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a, a young child, but again, Ozai isn't going to care because for Ozai, She's great at what she does, and she's gonna bring him power. Um, and that's also really, like it, it really mirrors
1: good. him. She she's like her dad's daughter. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So like like you you completely understand why not only that he knows how talented she is, but that's how he would act and has acted. So like he sees her like he sees himself in her.
3: Yeah, I would agree. It's it's not just looking the other way. I think he admires mm-hmm. the fact that she's like a tiny just sociopath. Like. like mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah, he uh I think he encourages that as well as her honing her skills, the fact that she is uh very much doesn't really care for people and just wants to do what needs to be done and is very ambitious. And I think he loves that part of her personality, not just ignores it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, now we do get to see Azulon here, um, the Fire Lord before, and yeah. that's the one. The one thing—it's not a gripe about this episode; it's more just about the, the series in general because the Fire Lords across the board, except Sozen. Really get a, a very small amount of characterization, and mm-hmm. Azulon's character is a little bit odd here, um, because yes, there's obviously a cruel side to him, um, and I, and and like, a, if you believe Azula, and to some degree, it's it's been it, it was confirmed, um, yeah, in the comics, it's really a cruel thing to think of, like the fact that Azulon's like you you're going to kill your son, who is my mm-hmm. grandson. Like, you know, Zuko is Azulon's grandson. Um, but at the same time, it's a little bit odd because of the fact that, like, he's like, you need to understand the pain Iroh's in. I'm not going to betray my my firstborn. You know, he's suffered enough, et cetera, which is kind of, I don't know. It just seems a little odd to me that someone who's like, I don't want to put my firstborn son through uh, losing his birthright so you should lose. So you should have to kill my grandson. And yeah. on top of that, I have. It seems to me that Azulon. I just feel like he wouldn't need that much convincing that the Iro who just abandoned a battle and is gone and doesn't have a bloodline. It feels like it shouldn't be that hard to explain to the the Azulon we've seen that he probably shouldn't be heir to the throne anymore. I guess in general, like what are, what are you guys' thoughts on the A the scene between Azulan and Ozai, and just in general the the fact that the the beginnings of the plot to to put Ozai on the throne?
3: I think we just don't know enough about Azulan to really say whether that is or isn't out of character, or unrealistic for him to do. I think we just kind of have to accept it as one of the fault of uh, the show that we don't know enough about him to really make that judgment.
1: hmm
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see what you mean, though, about his response to Ozai saying, well, you gotta kill your son. <laughs> like,
3: the obvious solution.
2: It is a little... I don't even have words Extra? Uh, yeah, about, like, <laughs> very, 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 very extra. <laughs> like, it's, it's, something in that sense doesn't really make sense to me. Like, I understand it from the point of view, and, like, he's like, yeah, you have to suffer, but at the same time, it is his grandson, too, so, I don't, like, I don't know. There, but,
3: but Zuko's a disappointment in everyone's eyes. And
2: also, just going off of what Julia mentioned, like, we don't know enough about him, so... I, I definitely agree that, that
0: there is something a little off about Azulon. Yeah, this is an old guy, you know, who's been, you know, leading a nation in war for his entire life. You know, you, you maybe yeah. could understand, perhaps, perhaps he's a little, you know, getting old and a little he's
1: crazy. He's And he arranged the marriage between Ozai, so he's traditional. That's true. That's true. In
0: order to combine the bloodlines.
1: I don't think he's evil. I think he's just super traditional. Like, you know what? I, like Tywin. Tywin Lannister. That makes sense to yeah. I don't know. I was thinking
3: more Mad King if we're going Game of Thrones. No, well,
1: Mad yeah. King. I don't think he's at the point where you could call him Mad. No, but he's, he's not quite Ares, But I, the thing is, he's not.
0: Tywin is one hundred percent obsessed with family.
3: But he's saying
0: every way, and that's it.
3: Uh, he kept Zulon Tyrion to- alive, so I think that automatically makes him yeah. better than, um, uh, uh, a Zulan. But I think that's kind of getting uh, off topic.
0: <laughs> yes, yes it is. I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I do wish that we got more characterization for the Fire Lords in general, um, I wish we got a little bit more about who Azulon is as a character. Uh, And this is maybe not something that should have been in the show itself, um, but I'd love like an Azulon comic or an Azulon short. You know, something about Mm -hmm. his early time as a Fire Lord, getting to see more about him, the early or the kind of the middle part of the war, so to speak. Like we see a little bit of the early part of the war with Sozin. We get to see the end of the war. Uh, We kind of don't get much of the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see what things were like then um now I talked to the beginning about uh, some great shots but I, my my favorite two shots of the episode um having a Zuko having Zuko just kind of emerge from the set the shadows with the sunset behind him it just and it's an amazing looking shot um it's just visually stunning and then I when Zuko first gets off the ostrich courts there's, there's this shot of him it almost feels like he's glowing in the sunlight and I really like that as well um where you can kind of like feel a little bit of remember this is a firebender who's powered by the sun um and you know I, he's not going to use that for a little while but I just i like I, I just like the way they constructed that shot that's
1: yeah, a really good show
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks cory conclusion
2: to nice
1: our time. entire podcast yeah. Good show. That's it. Ten it out of ten. To <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> we never bring someone on the show that's like, man, this show sucks. We debate them. Everyone's like, yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> no, yeah, no, bring just
3: bring Danny out. on so he can just be like, eh, it's all right. But Danny, but
1: Danny's not.
0: Danny's just. I haven't seen it. It's not like I, uh, you know, I I don't like it. It's just I haven't really seen it.
3: Yeah, I guess.
0: Um. I also I love this fight um, between Zuko and um, especially just the Earthbender uh, himself. Uh, one, it's it's a pretty different style of Earthbending uh, using the hammers, um, and then um, seeing you know you know Zuko both at a disadvantage and kind of like knowing in the back of our minds like well he's fighting handicapped uh, like he could use fire, and then the moment he see you see the fire like wow that is some raw destructive power, um, and I just. Visually, everything about it, I, I really enjoyed this fight.
3: Yeah, it's a good show. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, that, that, that's going to become the meme for this episode. <laughs> um,
0: now, the major, the major climax of the episode um, is when Zuko you know reveals himself, and the visuals it, of that scene. Oh my yes. god
1: beautiful you know what this reminds me of like the good way show. the <laughs> way we have like him actually being a literal vigilante i this comes i think this is like another vigilante thing but instead of seeing it more of like traditional vigilante it's like cowboy riding in town that's i think what they were going for Well, it's a little western I mean, yeah
0: you could see some of the western i get like
1: the What's western it? vigilante story coming from this and like this is actually like a trope i see in like a lot of similar hero stories. Like, it was a bad movie, but it was done in um, in um X-Men Wolverine Origins, where it, this, the exact same thing, actually. This family just takes in Wolverine, and then, like, you, you just go through the trials and tribulations, and, like, someone with, like, a past that, like, no one else knows. Like, it's a very good way of telling a story.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the other... But seeing the, the visual reaction um, from everyone, or visual and this is the reaction from everybody, the, the moment that um, that Zuko has re- revealed himself, um, you know, right off the bat, obviously the entire crowd that's, like, cheering for him, that's, like, hoping he beats, you know, beats like, these soldiers, no. totally turns <laughs> on him. I, I love the mother, um, like, standing in front of him and being, mm-hmm. like, suddenly fearful. And this is someone that, you know, She invited him into his house and like, you know, they, they ate together. This is a, she, she went to him and was like, can you help me get my son back? And all Zuko did was did everything he could in order to do that. But for the mom, like she used firebenders as a threat and she's gonna, you know, that's how she's going to be. And then Lee's reaction um, is just, you know, it's incredibly hurtful towards Zuko Mm -hmm. because, you know, he. This is someone who he's kind of you know looking at kind of as the younger brother, and, and he's you know, kind of taught some things. He, he tries to give him the knife, and you know Lee is just you know, no, I hate you, I I, I hate firebenders. But the other thing is, we talk about you know the, the the biggest theme of this show being the loss of childhood in the face of war, and the fact that a kid is willing to turn on someone just because of who they are, because of you know just essentially you could say because of their ethnicity, immediately is. like that's a really heartbreaking thought that you know uh this you know this young kid who's connected with this guy who you know if 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 everything was the same except he wasn't a firebender and instead he'd used you know water bending to to beat this guy obviously that would have been a little weird because you're in the desert but (laughs) (laughs) my point being the same like it it would the only thing that that, that that's been revealed is the fact that he's from the fire nation and you know, he can say, "I hate you." Like that's mm-hmm. that's a terrible, terrible thought for a world. And but it, it makes sense. Like this is a world where you the, the firebenders have been the enemy for a, you know a hundred years. No, yeah, yeah. I
2: have a quick question though. Do you because th- obviously I do think there would be animosity about him being a firebender. But do you think that was just escalated even more by admitting that he is Prince Zuko? I don't
1: think the kid Yes. Know- no, I no, I don't think the kids would know who Prince Zuko that. is.
0: I, I think just the fact that he was a fire a bender that was that was it. That was it. I mean, you would have to ask the question. Let's say instead of saying that, let's say this was Zhang Zhang. Like he said, I was in the Fire Nation army. I deserve it. Maybe then things change. But even that, like the, the the mom's reaction of like you know getting in front of of him, kind of gives you that sense of like there's like. I'm hesitant. I don't want to use the term racism because that has a lot of, like, baggage to it and isn't yeah. exactly what I'm saying, but, like... Xenophobia? What?
3: Xenophobia?
0: Essentially, yeah, that's a fair... That's a, a better way to say it. Like, there's just... This, and, and it, again, it makes sense. You're in a world where it's, you know, multiple generations have lived through this war for a long time, you know, and the... um. The fact is, like, that gets very deeply culturally ingrained and when everyone is being brought up in a world where, be fearful of the Fire Nation, it's gonna, like, it's gonna be difficult to trust or to to even, you know, be around someone who, if you knew he was a firebender.
2: Yeah, no, I guess my biggest question, though, is then, like, because I don't expect there to be no animosity at all about him being a firebender, but the fact, though, that he is Prince Zuko, he's the son of the guy who's leading all this stuff like he's like essentially in charge of the entire war happening the having someone like that there especially
0: do you think that added to it I don't think it helps um i I, I don't I, I think that it's yes I think that it, it does it does lead to it but i I think that it's more just the fact that just he's not on being a firebender yeah Okay. Is the the main thrust of it and but okay yeah it's think- a little on the cherry on the top
1: I also don't think the kid knows what Zuko is. He doesn't know internal, like Firebender politics. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course.
3: But I think he understands the general concept of, yeah. uh, and when so like, a monarchy. Says,
2: I am the son of the Fire Lord. Like you know,
3: like he like, doesn't need to understand the whole exile, and he he just. This is a man in a position of power in the nation that kidnapped and possibly killed his brother.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. probably killed his brother. <laughs> I bet the farm on that. Is probably going to kill
0: his brother. Probably has not happened. Yet. Definitely bet um, the form on that one. The the real one. Uh, the other thing is the 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 cho- like Zuko's choice of words there is also very interesting because you know he refers, Yeah, obviously he is this you know the son of Ursa and Fire and Ozai, but he's not actually prince of the fire nation and heir to the throne right now. Like Mm -hmm. he has been exiled and he's trying to get his birthright back and capture the avatar so he can return home. Um, And obviously part of that is, is going off of the line, you know, he hears from his mother um, in the flashback of like, always remember who you are. Um, But it's, it is interesting that like in this moment you can see Zuko kind of essentially affirming his identity um, and for him, his identity is still heir to the throne. And this is kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier when, you know, until the end of this book, we really I don't think see Zuko fully questioning his identity. Like even here, when push comes to his own shove, when Zuko is forced to commit, because Zuko could probably say something. And like I said, I think the fact that he's a firebender is the main point. But I do think Zuko could have said something. Like they don't know he's the, the prince of the Fire Nation. I think like, if he had just been like, I'm um, an outcast, from the Fire Nation, you know, I don't think that Lee accepts him, but I think that people probably are like, okay, fine, whatever. But Mm -hmm. the fact that he, he affirms fully that he is Prince of the Fire Nation, like, you can still see that that's, like, a fundamental part of his identity.
1: I think there's also a major scene, too, because it shows he's, like, proud still. Like, in the beginning, he looks so defeated and, like, ugh. And, like, completely deflated. And at the end, by the end of the episode, he's like, yeah, I'm going to, like, you know, change the world. Like, and, like, really turn the ship around. I don't know about turn, what you mean like turn the ship around? Like, when his dad has done, I don't know about that.
3: No, I think, I would say at this point, he still wants to follow more or less in his father's footsteps. Although, the gears are starting to turn
1: no i think this episode is the complete opposite actually like i think he especially what, what that's why I, I said this entire episode service the fact that he was a good person now i think he'd know like there's if his dad came to him right there at the end of the episode when he's walking in the sunset like i'll take you back i think it would have been a lot more complicated than it would be in season one. um well, Corey, it's, it's been a while. It's you know, now
0: have our, this week's, Corey is wrong. So yeah, Corey, you're <laughs> wrong. Uh, no, I, I, I think you're completely, I think it's completely the opposite. I think that this is a, at the end, uh, yes. All right, let me, let me go back. I think that during the episode, we are seeing a little bit of the gears turning towards Zuko becoming closer to the guy who will eventually betray the Fire Nation and teach Aang and work to defeat Azura. But I think we're one, a really long way away from that. And B, I think to say that in this moment, um, I, if, 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 if Ozai was like, come on back, you're the heir again. Like, again, in the end, it, when, when, when Zuko is forced to, um, like admit who he is, he doesn't say, I was heir to the Fire Nation, but I'm standing with these people because these people <laughs> need my protection. No, he says, I am heir to the Fire Nation. I am the prince, and that's it. Like, that's what he says his identity is. So I think we are, like, a long way, like, really a long way away. And, the, again, you also have to remember, Zuko alone, Iroh isn't here. And Iroh is a major part of what pushes Zuko towards towards the uh, you know towards the light. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, you could ask an interesting question of, like, how would this episode be different if Iroh was in it? Uh, like if Iroh showed up in the end that's a question but like I, I'm sorry I just I don't think that you can say at this moment if if, if Zuko had the choice he wouldn't make it um, because we're a long way from Zuko being forced to re-examine his life and then even after all of that when it seems like Zuko has made the right choice he in the end still goes back to the Fire Nation so like we're not even to the point where he's able to have a
1: difficult decision. Well, the circumstances that brought him to that point are a lot different. Like I, by that, the time you're talking about, I'm talking about right now, right now. I'm no,
3: see, I'm he starting. had more time to develop and be influenced by Iro and come to think that maybe he he doesn't need that to be his end game to get on the throne. I think he's at a much farther point in his character development. At the end of the season, and he's still conflicted, like Mark was saying. I think maybe he would feel a little guilt, but I, I think it would be a fairly easy decision for him to say, like, "All right, I'll take my throne. Like, uh, uh, screw these people; they hate me."
0: Mm-hmm. And, and like, yeah, I, I under—I think that yes, if if Zuko was like on the throne tomorrow within this world, like. Yes, I think he would have been a better person than I than than, than Azula or than than Ozai.
1: Getting
0: Firebenders confused. Um, but even then, I, I'm not even totally sure about that because I, I think that part of the what makes Zuko such a compelling character is the fact that he had to go through everything that he went to in order to become what ends up being a very good and 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 important um, Fire Lord. And even then. We even see that at the beginning of his um, of his reign, he's conflicted and has uh, you know and has and has issues. Um, to, I, I, so I just I think we're still a very long way away. Even though yes, this is an episode with Zuko as a protagonist, and they're trying to show him as a good person, helping out and you know fighting for this kid he just met that he connected with. In the end, I, I feel like it's 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 him being affirming that he is still what he still wants desperately is his honor. Um, and that honor within the Fire Nation itself. Um, and it's going to take a lot of... You know, it's going to take this very pointed moment with Iroh when he's like, well, you found the Avatar's bison. What are you going to do? You have no plan. You have no way to do this. And he decides to set it free. And that's that first moment of Iroh fully question, Or of Zuko fully questioning his identity. And we see what it does to him. Like, he goes through this massive... Um, the line, I believe, is you're going through a metamorphosis. Like, you, what you did change, is, is causing a war inside yourself, and I don't think that war has started yet. I think that, yes, Zuko may be a good person in this episode, but he's far from ready to betray his country. And remember, in the end of the day, he does fight a bunch of Earth Kingdom soldiers. Like, yeah, he does it for the right reasons, but like, you know, it's not like this episode would be very different if this was an occupied town and he fought
1: firebenders. Like, if that was the case, I would agree with you, Corey, but it's not really the case. Yeah, but that's why I said this entire episode uh, to a mean. They were Earth uh, nation soldiers, but they were utter douchebags.
3: Yeah, but the the town people were Earth Kingdom, so if what you're trying to say is this made him uh, more, like, anti- earth kingdom or
0: no i think he's the other i think he's saying that it it's it's this is him beginning to question his identity and i think that for maybe a brief second he does and at the end he affirms his identity is
1: prince zuka yeah no it's so funny again what i said earlier on like what they're doing what they have done with him and I, i think they continue to do with him is this whole vigilante thing and, like, they just didn't... I, enough, I, think, not I think Zuko to, In this episode, there's a little bit of it, but I don't know. No, but I, I, I'm, seeing it it way. Way. I'm seeing it from a different light. I'm seeing it in a different tone, and the tone they were going for was, um, like, a more of a cowboy, like, Western feel to it. And what I'm all I'm saying is he has... Ever since they revealed that, and they, they do that over and over, I, I think Zuko sees himself as someone that, like, it's his duty as the prince to, like, just turn the world around. And I really think I, I, I really don't.
0: I really think Zuko sees it as his duty to win the war for the Fire Nation.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And unfortunately, right now, circumstances are forcing him to sort of do what it takes to stay alive. Um, but I don't know. I just I keep coming back to the fact that he's going to go through this massive transformation. And even then, he's still going to choose the Fire Nation. And it's like, if it took all of that to make him have a difficult choice before he went through all of that, it, it's like, I, I can't see it being a difficult choice there. But this is good. This is our, we, we haven't had like a good argument in a while. So I'm glad, glad we come back to something like this.
2: Well, it's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <you so> Watch <laughs> Much
0: appreciated. (laughs) Um, So we'll move on to this. Unless, Corey, you have anything else you want to add? Nope. Okay. Um, So then the final scene, the the final shot, and um, another, like, this, for me, like, I talked about the two shots of being, like, some of the best in the the episode. For me, the the final shot of of the Fire Nation bowing down to the new Fire Lord might be one of the best shots of the series. Um, I genuinely love the visuals of seeing this a the funeral um Mm -hmm. the fact that they're laying a fire lord to rest um everything about it is perfectly stylized you're seeing them in these you know these white robes and you know there's fire everywhere and that's great um and then when when just everyone bows down to to Ozai it just you just get this incredible feeling of like okay yeah I get this is an absolute monarchy like I get that this is a this is one powerful individual, um, mm-hmm. and then just to just to add that that little cherry, Azula's smile there with how like she can like, sh- the wheels are turning of like, well, my father overthrew the air, maybe I can do the same. Like you can see it in her mind, um, in general, just like perfectly constructed, um, and then just also just little details like having you know having them go through you know you the fact that, you know, Azulam was married, the fact that, you know, yeah. they, they do the whole like kind of, you know, rights thing. Um, I, I once again, I really like that adds a, some more realism to this show of like, oh, this is a, this is a, f- a funeral. This is them saying goodbye to a fire Lord, um, as well as, you know, anointing a new one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, another thing I, I, I forgot to say this, um, but I do want to go back to it because it's, it's actually very important. And I thought of it now as well here. Um, in the scene when Ozai is talking to Azulon, um, there's a very small line when he says like, Iroh um, abandoned the siege and, and we don't know when he will return. And also in this, in that shot, at least I didn't see, I don't believe we saw Iroh at all. Um, and I think that that's also like a very important bit of subtlety towards showing mm-hmm. the fact that Iroh is off kind of on, you know, kind of on the Iro journeys that, that is going to lead him to where he is. Because obviously there's a very different character between the guy who is kind of, yes, jolly, but like laughing at burning Bossing Say to the ground, and yeah. the guy who is very like at this point going to a betray completely betray the Fire Nation, who probably hasn't really doesn't really the fact that he his birthright was revoked from him. Um, like those are very different characters. Um, and later on, when when Iro when Zuko is talking about Iroh, Um, in the boiling rock when, when he says, you know, um, you know, Iroh's had a complicated past, uh, you know, family uh, tradition, I guess. Um, Like that's, you know, you can see that Iroh, there has been a massive character transformation and we don't get to see much of it because he is introduced as, you know, as as this old, we've learned a lot about him, but these little bits of subtlety for me help bring, at least show that that arc has existed Um, and, and that's, that's very important, um, for a character because if you don't have stuff like that, it kind of gets weird. It's like, well, how did the crown prince of the fire nation turn into like this guy who seems pretty like chill and, you know, all about balance and restoring the world to its, its, its rightful, you know, peaceful state.
3: Mm -hmm. Good show. Yeah.
2: How, how, (laughs) how, how exactly did this, uh fire general guy end up becoming the leader of the avatar illuminati i want to know
3: i'd love an ira spinoff
0: yes the jasmine dragon
3: <laughs> wait so the um episode where they go to the dragons in fire and we find out that Iroh went to kill the last dragon. Was this after the fall of Bossing, say? Or before? Do we know?
0: We do not know. Okay. Um, that episode is the Firebending Masters. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting question. Cause I,
3: I wonder if that's know, part of not, his it, transformation. It, 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 it may
0: have been confirmed somewhere, but I if he's not confirmed within the show, I don't know it off the top of my head. Yeah. Corey, anything to add about Iroh? Um
1: uh, I usually
0: had a lot of bad IRL, but not this time. Okay. Uh oh. That's fine. That's fine. Um, and then obviously the the episode ends with, with Zula with Zuko walking off, um, walking out of the town off into the sun, um, and you know just once again, you know this episode begins the book ends Zuko it ends begins and ends with Zuko on his ostrich horse alone, um, and just just caps off um, all of that. So, without, uh, we will now get into our final thoughts and our ratings, um, and we will be doing that as always. So, why don't, Corey, why don't you shut us off with your final thoughts on the episode
1: and your ratings? This is w- one of my favorite episodes of book two, if not my favorite episode of book two. I think it's definitely up there. I, I got to rewatch the rest just to confirm it, but it's really good. Um, it's one of those episodes that like, as you said, I think it's completely essential to have this episode and the show would have been a lot worse off without it. And not a lot of shows do that to you for more of a minor character. Um, but ultimately when everything was said and done, I love the flashbacks. The flashbacks made the episode for me. I love Azula. She is easily my favorite villain in all of Avatar and probably in a lot of cartoons. Now that I think about it, um, like Azula is just great. Like I can't say enough good about Azula, and I love seeing Zuko's relationship with his mother, and I love just seeing the backstage politics of the the Fire Nation back then. And it, it, it's just really a, a top notch episode. I'm struggling to give it a ten because I don't know emotionally it doesn't get me to the point what, that a ten should. And I'm not saying that as against the episode. It's just how I feel. So I will ultimately round this episode off by of a 9.8. That's still, like, as about as good as you can get.
0: So yeah. you're not disparaging an episode by not giving it a 10. Uh, all right, Lindsay. So um, going back to what I said in the very
2: beginning, this episode just gives you so many feelings about Zuko, and especially as he's a... So one of my favorite characters. I definitely appreciate that episode for it, but it also reveals so much more that we never knew about, about Zuko's backstory, his, uh, more into the development and history of how the cur- current Fire Lord came to be and seeing the relationship that Zuko has with his family and how that has impacted him today. It just it has such deeper meaning behind it all that I just think it's like such well done story. And for it also to not end with a happy ending too, I think is kind of telling of how Ziegler just kind of keeps trudging on and trying to figure out what exactly he he's trying to do right now. So I Mm -hmm. think, um, it, it's just such a good episode. And I honestly forgotten about how good it was until I rewatched it. And, uh,
0: I'm gonna have to give it a ten out of (laughs) ten. Okay. And
3: Julia. Yeah, so the thing is book two is probably my least favorite of the three seasons, just in terms of the overarching plot. But individually some these episodes there are a few episodes that really do stand out as being the best in the series, and this one has to be probably just my favorite as an individual episode, because in the context of the season and the show, it it works well. It's not really a filler, but it can also stand on its own. You can almost watch this episode and really enjoy it and get a lot out of it if you've never seen Avatar before, yet it still adds so much to the plot. And I think that's really what makes it a good episode. And it stands alone just uh as uh attributed the animation and the artwork and uh just everything about it really is just an amazing episode so ten out of ten.
0: Okay. Um great. So I said at the start I think this is the best standalone. By, by standalone I don't mean um like self contained, but I mean like non two parter. Yeah. Um so bas you know discounting the finales uh, essentially, in a, you know a few of the, the mid season finales, um, in the show, and I and I stand by that. Um, last week, I gushed like crazy over Blind Bandit, and I think this episode is better than Blind Bandit, and I gave that a nine point nine. So I'm giving this a ten. Um, this is the second ten I've given out. Um, I do think this is a little bit weaker than, than Siege of the North Part Two, um, just in terms of it doesn't have kind of some of the iconic, um, you know, like stuff and that's a that's a season you know a season finale so it's just going to be the case but there is some granularity within you know there this is just in the absolute highest tier of of television um this is a a a flat-out phenomenal episode the flashbacks are incredible um but the story within um within the earth kingdom itself is also great um it's very subtle the the title may be zuko alone and it may be the deepest like dive we take into an individual character um, kind of in the show. But this is also a very dense episode with, with a lot of backstory about the fire nation itself. Um, a lot of stuff about, about Ozai, Azula, Iroh even. Um, and it just, it does a, it does a really fantastic job. Um, also, I just want to give them a little bit of credit for the fact that they were willing to make an episode in which we didn't have our main, like we think of our main three characters being Katara Sokka and Aang and we didn't have them in this episode and it's a phenomenal episode and that's not to say like oh I don't want you know Katara Aang and and them to be in the episodes because last week was a phenomenal episode and they were you know obviously in it but I just sometimes shows will do things like this they'll give a character not that Zuko's a side character but they'll give kind of a, a different character the, the limelight and kind of push their protagonists away and the show will kind of suffer a little bit because it's like well they didn't really know what they're doing. And the fact that they were able to make an episode this amazing with the focus being on not what we think of as the true main character, um, was great. Um, there are some, some incredibly great visual moments in this, in the episode. Um, the writing is top notch. Um, so across the board, this is, this is just phenomenal. Um, so I think this is the the highest quality, um, non finale in the, in the show. Um, And for a show that is as good as Avatar, that is, you know, that is saying something. And also just in general, I, if, if a show can have multiple episodes that I I consider tens, that is, that's what makes a show to be truly amazing. And, um, this show does, uh, now this is this being the second. So just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so that I want to thank, uh, thank my panel for being here. Um, thank you to Julia for coming back. Um, You've now been you know, on two tens. Um, so I guess whenever we have you on, it has to be a like perfect episode. <laughs> exactly.
3: That's the only way I'll come on to talk if it's the best episode.
0: That's, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. This is a show that that we can do that though because there's enough great episodes. It's true. Um, thank you to Lindsay and Corey for being here as well. Uh, thank you guys, obviously, for tuning in. Um, you can follow us on social media. Uh, you can follow the show itself at twitter.com slash thought um, on underscore pod a u n t underscore pod that's in the episode description you can follow me on twitter at stack underscore mode s-t-a-c underscore m-o-d-e uh me so tweet about various things um some of the stuff about podcast um you should be back uh for the 4th of july uh so we probably want to have an episode next week but uh, we'll see one the week after and we'll be moving forward with the start of ang's uh earthbending training and some of his issues uh, that may be coming up with uh, with the team itself, um, and then moving right into the uh, major mid-season and uh, mid-show uh, two-parters with uh, Library, Desert, and then Serpent's Pass and uh, Secret of the Fire Nation. So look forward to that.
1: Um, we will yeah, be, it's uh, a good show. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> my joke. Stop stealing my joke. It's nope. everyone's joke at this it, point. It's a so. uh,
0: common domain. Wow. <laughs> uh, yes. Alright, so with that, thank you guys and we'll see you next week or
1: potentially in two. Bye. Bye.